Coming to you from KFAI Community Radio in Minneapolis, this is the Miniculture Podcast. I'm your host, Jamande Tway. On this podcast, we bring you KFAI's best arts and culture stories from around the state of Minnesota. So it was like, you're really tall and you're really pretty, you should be a model. And I was looking at it like, what is that? What's model? <laughs> what, 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 what is that? Oh, Christ almighty. Don't change my song. Don't change my team. Not happy. Today, we meet a Minneapolis artist who wears his art. He's got a lot to say. Public art should express where you live. If there's violence in your community, it should show that. That's Andrew Moore. He's 61 years old and lives in South Minneapolis. As an artist, he uses denim jackets and pants as a canvas. Moore works at a thrift store. He takes old clothes, cuts them up, and glues them on his outfits. I have a whole bag. It's all material. Like, if I get in my mode, I'll dig in there and find out what do I think would put a more definite impact on that outfit. The words and pictures on Moore's outfits make a strong statement. They express his ideas about injustice, racism, poverty, violence. And that's basically what my outfits represent. They represent the worst of America. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm the new Tupac. Hey. Yeah. Except I'm not rapping. You know, I'm just keeping it real. So when I walk, wherever I go, and I have one of these on, it's all eyes on me. Before he started making art out of his clothes, Moore had a giant art installation in his front yard. Some of his neighbors liked it, and some complained. A few years ago, Andrew Moore lost his home after the city of Minneapolis fined him for code violations. Today, he lives in an apartment across the street from his old house. I got to catch up with him there. You're in the ghetto. Just twist the knob. It's unlocked. All right. How you doing, Mr. Moore? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Ah, Monday. Andrew. Ah, nice to meet you. All right. You'll hear more of my visit with Andrew Moore a little later in the episode. But first, we're going to hear from KFI producer Dixie Trichel. She interviewed Andrew Moore a few years ago. Here's Dixie with Reality Isn't Pretty. When you do reality art, reality sometimes is really not pretty, so I definitely try to focus on the issues that are kind of swept up under the carpet as far as the violence and the injustice that we suffer at the hands of the present system, and this is just one of my ways of expressing it. After protesting being fired from his job at a reuse center, artist Andrew Moore began creating a large political sculpture in his front yard. He calls himself a reality artist. Using found objects, he focuses on African-American history and current affairs. Little did he know that his self-expression would eventually cost him his home. As I started installing it, every day I would do something that stands for the misrepresentation of black Americans in this country and show that how segregated we still are. So I started bringing back the past in my front yard, and so it started escalating. And I would find the most ugliest thing in the installation, and I would start running tubes from that, and I would connect them all. My mind clicked in that this is what people need to see, and this is the therapy that I need in order to further on with my life without being angry. Pressure from the city threatened the existence of Moore's yard sculpture. 
and in 2013, Andrew lost his home of 20 years. Joan Vorderbruggen, the Cultural District Arts Coordinator for the Hennepin Theatre Trust, helped Andrew save his art. One day an inspector pulled up and said that I couldn't do that in my yard. At the time, she had a police officer with her. The police officer tried to step up in my yard, and I was standing on the stairs, and you can't do this in your front yard. And I'm like, "Where? where's the ordinance that says I can't express myself in my front yard? And they're like, well, they, they didn't have that ordinance. So from that point on, they just started tagging me with pieces of paper on the sidewalk, cracked sidewalks, and anything they could do to tag me. That's how it eventually got to the point where Within a few years, they started compiling all these fines until they accumulated over $38,000 worth of fines on me. They wouldn't give me back my renter's license so that I could legally rent the upstairs units, so they took away my way of providing for my family, for my children. They took away our house because they didn't like the stuff that was in the front yard. When I became aware of the fact that his home was going to be foreclosed or that he was going to lose his residence. And so at that time, I went to his house and I introduced myself and we struck up a friendship and got to talking. And I let him know that I felt that his work was really important, that not only did I see him as a peer in regards to public art, but that I felt that the work that he had done was really a legacy for the city of Minneapolis and that it was important that we preserve it, and that we bring attention to it. So with his help and with the help of several others, we were able to store the last iteration that he had created in his front lawn before he had to leave his house. And so we put that in storage, and then I had to move it a couple of times. And so I eventually ended up hiding it in a vacant building downtown with a caretaker's permission. I just fought as long as I could, and then... Instead of getting mad, I mean, it it forced me out of my house, but it forced my kids to be separated from me. But what I learned the most and what I got out of it the most is that it turned out to be something that was really educational for me. It was educational for other people, too, because I was able to still voice my opinion to the end. A year later, Vorderbruggen included Andrew Moore's art that was saved in a gallery installation in downtown Minneapolis as part of the Made Here show. He added more content to the sculpture and included his paintings and sound. This stuff right here, the um, black-on-black violence, I had that. Jones stored all that stuff for me. The reason for doing this was to let people know that this is not a fair system. And so peaceful protesting hasn't really got us anywhere, so I think we need to go to another step. This is my step. His work evokes conversations that are difficult and require you to have a level of honesty about yourself and about the real relationships that we have in our society. I don't know what the future holds as far as me doing any more art installations, but now I have resorted to putting messages on my clothes. So my clothes are artistic. They make a statement about how I feel. I figured that God's got me on this road, so I'm just going to roll with it. This is Dixie Trichel for KFAI. So, after I heard Dixie's story, I was really excited about meeting Andrew Moore in person. I caught up with him at his apartment, which, the information, 
has the most comfortable furniture I have ever sat on. I gotta tell you, man, you got some, you got some comfortable seating. And you know what? That's I, keep, I keep wanting to stand up and talk with you, but <laughs> it also has a chirping smoke detector that needed a new battery. Yeah, smoke detector. Yeah, that's just a cheap. Our landlord, I have one of the worst landlords in the world. We spent over two hours talking, and I had so many questions. Like, what's it like living across the street from the house you used to own? Like, people ask me, how do you feel being over here and looking at that house? I'm like, you know what? I don't give a rat's ass. It wasn't mine. If I got to pay taxes on it, and every time um, I don't shovel the sidewalk, or every time um, they want to cut my grass, they want to bill me, then it ain't mine. And so I, I just figured that in my life, with everything that I've been through and that I'm still here, and that I still, I'm still physically able to do what a lot of me and my age ain't doing, that God got a plan for me. So I don't, I don't think about the house over there. I don't care. You know, they can have it. They can have this one, too, as far as I'm concerned. So, so now, when you, when you had your pieces in front of your house, there was someone that came in and helped you store it. Mm-hmm. So where is it at now? I don't know. What? I don't know. I don't know. They, they stored it downtown in some warehouse down up by the university. But you, I'm sorry, but you, you, you have access to it still, though, right? You can, no, I don't know where it's at no more. But you can still hit them up and like, hey, uh, I need my pieces for you know such and such reasons. I don't really need them. Oh. I, I can take um, I can take a toilet stool and make my statement. Um, how do you make your artwork? Whatever I find. So what I do is, since I work for a thrift store, um, St. Vincent, they have like um. They have a lot of clothes. We have a lot of clothes that we sell and come in. And then the clothes that we don't sell, we put them in these Gaylords and bail them up and sell them and send them across seas. So if there's something in there that I see, like a shirt, like I got this from from my job. Actually, I got these from my job too. Most of this stuff, you see all my outfits come from my job. So I'll buy a shirt or... I can get it halfway, I can get it cheap, because it's in the bailing box. You're going to throw it away, so you might as well let me get it. So my boss, he um, <laughs> he calls me the slasher. <laughs> He's like, make sure you keep that shirt away from the slasher. <laughs> and you just like, you just stitch it up, you got a sewing machine? No, actually, they, they got the stuff that's called liquid stitch. Yeah. You can just iron it on, mm-hmm. and it stays on. Can you uh, can you wash it though, and then it's well, gonna stay can, on? You can clean it. You wouldn't want to wash it, but you can put it in the dry cleaners. I've had them in the cleaner. Okay, and it stays on. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's gonna be a rack up a price though. Huh? Then rack up rack up a price after a while of dry cleaning. I mean, but it's worth it because the bottom line is, you know, um, it represents the day to day living that we are enduring every day. You know, I. The first thing I do is I figure out what's going on in the world. I usually go by whatever, and it, it usually starts with one thing. Whatever I'm, I'm, whatever I'm going to do to the suit, it's all going to be around what I'm thinking about. If it, whether it's poverty or whether it's gun violence or domestic violence, that's the first thing I center on is that, and then I build around it. So this one here is all done. What I did is I got Michael Jackson on here. I did this one because it's got all the 
black actors and stuff that are dead. I was, yeah, I was on. I was gonna say I noticed you. Uh, you got Bernie Mac on here. Yeah, you got Bernie Mac. Mm-hmm. And then you got James Brown, Don Cornelius. Oh yeah, Soul Train. Soul Train, right? Mm-hmm. Heavy D. Whitney. Miss Whitney. So I consider all of these guys some type of warriors. Warriors on stage or warriors at home. I think people say you should um, dress how you feel. I think you should feel how you dress. Do you do you, uh, do you sell your your clothes? Your people have been trying pieces? to get me. They try to get me to sell them, but I mean, it's 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 like to me right now. It's just it's something that keeps me flowing. It's something that keeps me focused, and something that keeps me humble. But if I could ever make money off of it, really, I probably would. But I'm not looking at the money aspect of it. I'm looking at the fact that. There's a statement behind everything I do, and it's a statement that's not pretty, but it's a statement that needs to be made. I just want to be the kind of person when I walk down the street, like my outfits say, all eyes on me. I want them to be on me for a reason. Not just for the outfit, but, but, but because of the statements on it. And my clothes allow me to be who I am. I don't hide them. I'm not going to. I wear them proudly. I wear them to the Pope's house to dinner if I got to. That's just how I feel. I feel that as long as you let somebody stop you from being who you are, you're never going to be who you are. I, I think the guy that created this, me, is pretty amazing myself. You know, I don't know anybody else that's doing them like that. It's like what they think, I'm walking around with some keys in my pocket they think I'm going back to jail. They really on that dope. If you want to check out Andrew Moore's outfits, we've posted pictures on Twitter and Facebook. You can even see me modeling one of his jackets. The reason why I like this one the most is because I like the back. It says respect one, and then it says hands up, don't shoot. This you well. And seeing it looks good on you. Thank you, thank you. Don't look as good as it would on me, though. <laughs> It feels almost fitted for me, you know? There's no way you fit in this. I'm telling you, I do. You fit this. Yeah. What? I don't know, man. It fits me pretty well. Yeah, but yeah, that's, that's that overlap on that gut, though, man. <laughs> <laughs> he He's stuck it to me about my gut. I'm working on that. And that's it for this episode. The Miniculture Podcast is produced by Zen Holston, Todd Melby, and Nancy Rosenbaum. Our music is by Javier Santiago. Support for Miniculture is made possible by a grant from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Like what you heard? Then share Miniculture with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. Or leave a review of the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. I'm your host, Jumande Tway. Catch you all next time.